Hi, I'm Sam Germano, and welcome to the Uprooted Podcast, where we'll be uncovering the underlying meaning of health and what it means to us today. Let's sit down with the experts and trailblazers to understand the why and how, break down barriers, and blend our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Grab your headphones, turn the volume up, and let's uproot. Jason Gorski is a communications consultant, personality profiler, functional coach, and neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. He has profiled hundreds of people and travels the globe, helping people to understand themselves differently and to improve their quality of life. Jason graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with a Bachelor of the Arts in Science, Technology, and Society. After graduation, he moved to Europe to compete internationally on multiple professional soccer teams. During his five years overseas, Jason began to study neurolinguistic programming and personality profiling and is now certified in multiple practices. He has advised executives, professional athletes, and creatives on how to take action improving themselves, their relationships, conflict management, communication skills, as well as other related topics. Jason currently leads and facilitates confidence and social emotional workshops to students in New York public high schools with the goal of getting emotional intelligence into school curriculums across the United States. I think there's something so powerful with getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And oftentimes in our lives, we're put in certain situations where we lose control over the outcome, have to surrender to rejection and redirection, or are put in situations where everything feels new and foreign to us. It's these exact moments where I get curious why we crave control, certainty, and consistency. I do think it's human nature to want these things, but I wanted to understand it a bit deeper, and that's exactly why I wanted to chat with Jason. This past year, it's safe to say that we've been stripped of certainty, and we've needed to create safety and control within our surroundings, wherever that may be. But what happens when we come out of this time we've been living in and are put in situations that make us feel stuck and uncomfortable, make it hard to know what to do next, or where we lose control of a situation we thought we understood? Join me in this eye-opening conversation with Jason to understand how to get your needs met wherever and whenever, how to process thoughts and emotions during times of uncertainty, and how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you and talking about how we can get comfortable with uncertainty um, or the unknowns of our future, no matter what area it's in. I've often thought about why our future or the uncertainty of it has the potential to scare the hell out of us. And I think we really understood what it means to get comfortable with the unknown this past year. And for many people, myself included, it was a very hard concept to grasp. You know, we're so conditioned to have a linear life trajectory, go to school, graduate, get a job, get married, have kids, retire, boom, done. (laughs) And when our paths waver or meander other ways, we can feel like we've lost control and lose trust in things working out in our favor. So I want to understand what happens to us when we're in these situations, no matter what sector of our lives it's in, where we lose control and have to surrender to life's plans. It's not an easy concept, but let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So Jason, take it away. Tell us about you and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show, first of all. My journey started... Uh, in, in Europe, really, I was playing professional soccer overseas, and uh, I was living in a village in Poland for my first team with uh, one of my best friends, also from the States. So we were the two foreign guys on the team. There wasn't really a lot to do besides playing soccer and you know, spending your free time. And there was a moment, probably a month or two in, where we decided it was time to read books and to start to better ourselves. And I got pretty heavy into self-development books and I came across personality mapping. And as soon as I found words that I thought really captured the way that I was thinking inside my head, I was like, this is so powerful. And now that I have words for it, I feel like I have the power to change it. And so I went down this path throughout my entire professional career 
studying and reading and becoming proficient at personality mapping and neurolinguistic programming and social emotional learning and really wanting to be able to one day uh, give other people the ability to change what's going on in their lives by maybe helping them shed light on some of the processes that were going on in their mind. Now, so here we are, here we are today, if you fast forward. And here we are today. When you were learning all of these new things, how did it impact your life the most? You know, what changed for you on your end as you were understanding a new way of thinking and maybe feeling? I think the, the first thing that comes to my mind was just reading about smiling hmm. and the impact that a smile can have on your external environment. And I think what was so profound about this time when I was living in Poland was that everything I was reading, I was going out and testing. And so I was like really taking action with everything I learned. And so I remember vividly going out and smiling at every single person we walked by. And, you know, Poland, uh, I wouldn't say is the warmest country. People aren't used to, you know, going out and saying hello and having conversations with each other. And so I was so curious what would happen if, you know, almost against the cultural boundaries, I would just go out and I would smile and I would say hello and see how people reacted. And I started to, to pick up that like people really, you know, of course there was some shock here and there, but people really started to open up. And I remember that feeling of progress. I remember the feeling like, oh, wow, like my inner world and the way I decide to represent myself externally really does impact my environment and the way I see it. You were like, mm, I'm onto something. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you creeped a few people out, but maybe not. <laughs> I don't and, and still don't remember the ones that didn't work out. I only remember the ones that did. <laughs> I love it. There's always this light bulb moment when we're understanding a new, a new way of understanding ourselves and understanding the people around us and our mindset. That's like, oh, like this is so profound and yeah. it can do so much in it. Like you're saying, it almost has, it can take on or it can become this domino effect. So very interesting. I'm excited to talk about a very specific way of thinking when we're in certain situations with you. Um, and like I said about the unknown, I would love to get your thoughts on why you think the unknown scares us. And like I mentioned, there's something terrifying when we don't know what's going to happen next. We have a very keen way of thinking of how things should be done in our life and what the step-by-step -step process of what's to come in our lives. So, you know, any, for anyone who's been in this situation, you know, you're kind of oscillating back and forth with what you know to be true and what you're comfortable with and the potential for something totally different and out of your comfort zone. But I'd love to get your thoughts of why we fear what we don't have control over. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to start underneath the idea of why certainty is so prevalent by saying that like every single person has a base need of certainty, of comfort. And we also as humans have a base need of variety. It's opposite. And so I like to look at that as like a full picture to really understand how they work within each other and how they work against each other and how that plays into this this idea of being uncertain and what that means to us. Um, and so like, if we all have that base level of certainty, you know, throughout our life experiences and, you know, each person is different and what they focus on is different, but we all have different measures of what certainty means to us. You know, so like for some people, it could be having a home for some people, it could be having to be around their friends or being in the same area as people they know. Um, some people, it just has to be the furniture that's going on around them is similar, it's comfortable, all different things that we gain certainty from as a fundamental need. But I also say like, if you know exactly how everything's going to happen all the time, and you are in control of absolutely everything, well, then you experience complete boredom. And now you need the exact opposite of certainty. Now you need variety and everyone has different ways of achieving variety. You know, some people, you know, want to go out for a walk and that's enough variety in a day. Other people feel like they have to jump off the top of skyscrapers with parachutes and, and fly down. And I think understanding that these two concepts are two sides of the same coin can really help us hone in on this idea of certainty and what it's like to lose certainty, but not frame it as variety, you know, because that's, that's where I think a lot of times we get stuck. 
It's this idea that we like this amount of certainty on a spectrum, you know, let's say zero to a hundred. Some people are like, I want 20 amount of certainty. Other people are like, I'll, I'll take 95. Mm. And especially in a crisis, the first thing that we might do is like, what do I know? How do I become safe? How do I get become comfortable in, in, in what is going on? And that, that kind of spike and that kind of energy forces us to start thinking about all the things that we need to gain certainty. And that's, that's really where I, I see this idea of fear and anxiety and depression and all of these things that come out with trying to figure out how to get certain in a world where you're only faced with uncertainty. And um, just to hone in a little deeper, you know, just around this concept now is when you're experiencing uncertainty and it's not a choice and it's kind of pushed up on you, we automatically might go, okay, like, what do I know in my past that's helped me dealt with, deal with this before? Or what's the worst case scenario so I can prepare my body and the emotions for what's to come? Mm-hmm. And we leave the moment we're in, we're not facing it in the present moment, and we're relying on their past or relying on predicting anything that can come in the future to deal with what we think is going to happen. And those thoughts are powerful. And those thoughts a lot of times evoke fear. And they evoke all these other emotions that we use as a message to prepare ourselves for what's to come. I think it's interesting what you're saying. You know, we don't always choose when when life becomes uncertain for us. And there's obviously different types of people who like different types of adventures or risk in their life. And we were kind of in, awakened to this concept and to this conversation this past year. But, you know, we don't always get to choose when when things become uncertain for us. I feel like there are some people who try to make their life so safe. Oh, only up until a certain point where they become uncomfortable with the idea of being so safe. And then there's the other side um, of people who have a moment where it's kind of forced onto them and it feels so uncomfortable. In your experience, when you've dealt with people who maybe are dealing with this, what has been the advice, no matter where they are on that spectrum to get through it? Yeah, I think the first part of that, um, and I just want to use your examples, is understanding which side of the spectrum they're on and where they're coming from. You know, if, if you're someone that is honed in on certainty and you like a lot less variety in your life, well, now you're, you're, you're going to tend to over control or have, you know, a slight air towards over controlling things to make sure that you're comfortable. And a lot of times that's a whole different solution than someone who prefers maybe a little less certainty, but then gets hit with a situation that is bringing on so much uncertainty that they're forced back into a place uh, to look at it and be like, I didn't choose this. What is going on right now? And so uh, for someone who is constantly looking to control their environment or things going on and to gain certainty, a lot of times that if it's, if it's done unconsciously and it's overdone, that kind of control causes all of the other people around you to look for ways out of it. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes this perpetuating system of, hey, like there's chaos over here. Let's control it. Let's organize this. Let's make sure everything is in a container. And then people are like, ah, it's too much for me. Like, let's, let's do something out here. And then the, the message that's received by the person that's controlling is why do all these people try to break the system? Mm. Why is it always the people I surround myself with that are always causing chaos? I need to find someone that doesn't want to cause chaos or find things that don't cause chaos. And the message really is, hey, there's some areas and some containers where you have to loosen up because the tighter you grip this, the more chaos is created and you're the one creating it. That's usually really, really hard to take in because the way that chaos would feel for someone like that is like, it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be, it could be such a, such a devastating degree that the body is already chemically reacting to, you know, that, that feeling of, oh my God, there's, there's chaos around me, need to figure it out, need to organize, need to control, then I can settle and get back. And I would be, you know, depending on the person, what areas are you a little more flexible in? What areas are you allowing yourself you know, more creativity, more unknowns, and then seeing where that would lie and looking to push that out further and further into other containers very slowly. I guess, what do you think is a healthy balance between being safe, but also being open to receiving 
new experiences or new situations in your life? Like, is there a happy medium? I think so. I think it's, I think it's a really hard thing to find, mm -hmm. I'd say, but I think that there's people doing it really well all the time. I tend to think about it in terms of those containers because I don't like the idea of generalizing things or deleting them or distorting them over every single behavior in my life. Yeah. Uh, that's where I feel like people get stuck a lot of times is when like you get really good at, oh, for the first time ever, I started this routine and this routine is changing my life. And the more I go into the routine, the better my life is that kind of discipline in the routine. That's the kind of discipline I need to have with my friends when I'm out at parties with them or I'm going out to dinner with them. Right. And it just became generalized because it worked in this one area that really, really helped you. But now you're out to dinner with your friends and you're like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And everyone's like, ah, that's tough. It's tough to have you out here. You know, do you have any, any kind of boundary that's a little looser? You know, is this a container that you can give yourself a little more freedom in? And that's where I feel is like, how do we start asking ourselves the questions of what containers is it appropriate for me to have a little more freedom without challenging that one area or two areas or three areas where it's like really improving my life. I like that you use the term routine because the idea of a routine has become so prevalent this past year. You know, like when, when we were at home, everyone cleaned up their routines, their workout routine, their eating routine, their morning routine, their night routine. Like everyone <laughs> like fine-tuned their routine. And I love that you mentioned that because I think it's such a strong point we got very comfortable with things being a certain way because in this last year, so much was out of our control. So we are like, okay, I can control what's under, what's in my home. I can control the way I wake up, the way I go to bed, the way I eat, the way I behave in my, in my home. And now, you know, it's funny, we're in such a good different place now and we're able to interact with people and we have to kind of loosen our grip on those things and be flexible and fluid and a little yeah. bit more easygoing. So I love that you mentioned routines. I'd, I'd love to jump in there a little further, just, just on this idea of routines, because I think, I think you're spot on. And I think that the people that used it, there's a couple different ways to use it based on what was going on externally in the world. So for some people like myself, routines was something that were, were a little more difficult for me to get in. And all of a sudden I find myself at my best friend's place in Los Angeles stuck for the entire quarantine. And it was the first time I wasn't allowed or giving myself permission to travel, mm -hmm. which I always saw myself as. And so now I'm in this place and it's almost like, because I can't travel, I got really excited because now I don't have an excuse. Now I get to jump into routines and really see what it's gonna be like for me if I can really master this area of my life. Now, some other people who are always into routines, maybe it was like, I'm gonna dive really deep into the routines because like every time I look out into the world, I feel fear and this is, this is what I'm gonna hold on to for certainty now. And I'm gonna dive really deep into it and I'm going, I'm going to hold on to everything. And I would say that even though in this example, we're doing almost the exact same thing, the way that we would be approaching it is completely different. And I think it plays on what you're talking about with this idea of uncertainty that's forced upon us. Like, yeah. how are we reacting and how are our minds taking what that is and then pivoting to like find those areas of control? Absolutely. I want to ask you, you know, how did we get here? Like, why are we conditioned to think that control is safe? uncertainty could lead to harm. Immediately, I would go back to just prehistoric times and, and the way that we were, you know, built and finding certainty and just understanding that like that's a survival instinct. And when you know something, it's easier to adapt and to move through it. And when you can expect something and you know it's coming, there's a sense of comfort from having dealt with it already. Mm -hmm. And this idea of uncertainty just putting yourself out there, especially now in a time where we usually can choose not to have it at this point, mm -hmm. because it's so easy to get in, in different ways that we don't need for survival. It's just a completely different way 
of, of moving through life. And so having that choice allows us to sit deeper and deeper into this certainty and deeper and deeper into this comfort that maybe wasn't initially meant for us as we developed. Yeah, I think it's also like there is an element of like expectations that like comes to my comes to mind, like when we know what's to come or when we know what the next step is, we we know what to expect. And expectations, I think, play a big role in this because we don't like not knowing what's to come. When you think about it, like, let's just say for the person who is graduating school, but doesn't have a job lined up, like they don't know what to expect once they graduate, because they, like there's no certainty of what's going to happen next. And I feel like this whole idea of like, not knowing what's going to happen next, scares the crap out of us. Because when we know what to, ex- when we know what to expect, we know how to plan for it. And then when we don't have a plan, that's terrifying. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that's, that's why it's, you know, part exciting to be on the other side of it Mm -hmm. that the idea of not knowing and I also think playing into the idea of like we've been conditioned to fear things that we we wouldn't normally fear you know like how many things in life that we fear are really putting ourselves into like a life or death situation or or something that's really really bad out of the things that we actually worry about, uh, I would say a very, very, very small percentage. Definitely. It's it's a small percentage, but what I think is, it's not life or death, but, you know, let's use the example, maybe people who didn't, who lost their job this past year. It's not a life or death, death situation, but when we're stuck in this dead zone of no traction, of no movement, of no understanding of what's to come, it feels like we're stuck there and that the time that we're spending in this we'll call it an abyss I don't know why this <laughs> the abyss, this is like the term the abyss came to me like it just feels like it's a never-ending place that we're going to be in yeah the first thing that comes to mind even, even when saying that is and you're absolutely right like having something like losing a job definitely causes a lot of pain and can like really hold up your life um and, and nothing taking away from, from that experience. Yeah. I think the way that we tend to deal with these things is to, is to start thinking around them and thinking about like, what's the meaning? And those are the only two things that we can really control with experiences because, you know, these experiences outside of us, we, we can't control. Maybe you couldn't control that you lost your job, but now that you lost your job, the only thing you can control is how you react to that situation and the meaning that you give it. Mm-hmm. And if the meaning that you gave it is that, you know, you, you're going to lose your family and now you can't feed, you know, your kids and this is the end of the world. And, you know, all of those thoughts start to play on you, the more stuck you get, the more, the more freezing that happens, the more you think about it, the more you think about it, the more true it becomes. And you can feel that focus just starting to narrow in on you and that, that feeling you know, is, is overwhelming. And so I, I bring it back to this idea of if you can't control it, how do you pop out of that and recognize that you are the one that's giving this experience meaning based on your experiences and you are the one that is reacting to it. And I think that that is the biggest eye-opening thing you can take away from life and uncertainty. You know, obviously we hear we hear so often that if you can't control the situation, control how you react to it. And I think sometimes like that phrase can be very vague, not that there's anything wrong with saying it, but it can be very vague. Like, what does that mean? And I think you just hit it on the head. What it means is what meaning are you giving the situation? So also like, let's use the example of like love. Like, let's just say you get out of a relationship and there's a huge question mark of when the next relationship is going to happen to you. Okay, great. So you're single. What does that mean to you? Does that mean it's a bad thing? Does that mean that you're stuck here? Does that mean that you're never going to find the person again? Or does that mean that you're just in a transition phase? Like there's there's like two ends of the spectrum that we can look at this. It can either be something that is temporary or it's just a transient time or it's just, you know, a, a transition or it's this horrible never-ending thing. It's like it's how we give it meaning. <laughs> I've been on both ends of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. uh, but no, it like I think that is so like that advice is so much more tangible than just saying like control the way you feel about it. Yeah. Like give it I, meaning I that's going to you. help you get through it. 
and and even that even that is really really difficult because you know you're you're you've been programming yourself in a sense your whole life to give things meaning the way that you do and so even hearing that advice of like the meaning can be a little generalized recently i was i was watching or rewatching an interview by hal elrod who wrote miracle morning and i i loved what he said and i've been using that uh for things exactly like this. And he said when he was coming up in, I think he was uh, selling real estate at the time, the person that was coaching him told him that you're gonna go through all sorts of things that are gonna feel terrible and uncomfortable and you're gonna be bothered, you're gonna be frustrated, you're gonna wanna quit and you're gonna have five minutes to go through and course through all of the emotions that you're gonna feel with all of these situations. At the end of those five minutes, you're going to say three words and you're going to move on. Can't change it. And then you move on. And I kid you not, even after all the work I've been doing and like really understanding the concepts and, and working around to try to help people and guide people change the way that they give meaning, you know, and reframe and, and you know, all of these things. I found that with myself, there's so much comfort in saying out loud after I've going through the feelings of just can't change it, let's go. And I love it so much. It makes me, it makes me happy inside because you just realize that you, you really can't change the experience and you spend so much time like trying to manipulate in your mind, like how it could have gone differently and that, like, how could you be here? And if you just said this and did this and recognize this and you can't change it. And you have to let yourself know, and it just gives you permission to just move to the next part and to, to be able to, to give yourself some space emotionally from it and to see it from a slightly different perspective and to then work on changing the meaning of that experience. I love that. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be using that from now on because you want to know what it does. And, and you said it very nicely, like it, it allows us to create space between us and the situation. It like allows us to take our tight grip on it that we were trying to control and be like, oh, okay, didn't work out. Nothing I can do about it. Let's keep moving forward. Cause we can spend so much time yeah. trying to pull everything apart and try to make sense of it and understand it. But what's that really gonna do? Is that gonna allow you to live in that situation longer and try to make sense of something that doesn't make sense? Or are you gonna take the redirection and continue powering forward? This idea of like really trying to understand something I find a lot of times moves us back and really makes us recreate what happened and those thoughts recreate the emotions that we felt. And so we're really stretching out the length of the experience internally because our brain doesn't really know the difference between when something happened and when it doesn't based on the way that our thoughts are going off in our minds. And so I find that seeking to understand why, when you recognize that you're in this place already, is usually counterproductive. I have a question for you about this, because this is really interesting what you're saying. Do you think that sometimes it's necessary to make sense of something or understand something to get closure? And do you yes. think closure is necessary to move forward? Yes, but I think it's usually more necessary with a new lens. And so I think when you come out of an emotional experience, and you're seeking to understand it, and you're coursing through all of these things, like you're really trying to make sense of it. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. And sometimes you don't know the reasons. And a lot of times it's coming from your own perspective anyway, of how you're going to make sense of it in the future. And you can sit there inside the emotions and try to make it fit whatever you're going through. But if you can recognize like that you've been going through this, and you're like, I don't, I don't understand why this happened right now, but I understand that I'm feeling these ways and I'm going to recognize that I can't change it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to take steps to create something new, uh, a new pattern, a new feeling. And I'm going to slowly do that. Then when I look back at that experience, I'll be able to find and understand maybe why this happened to me from this new perspective. And I think it comes back to this idea of, you know, creating space between the experience and where we're at. 
It's so unfortunate that in hindsight, things make sense to us so much better. You know, like when we're, when we're 10 steps ahead of the situation that caused us so much distress, we're like, oh, makes sense now. But when we're in it, we're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that can be infuriating too. And even, even hearing someone say what I'm saying right now, if you're in it, can be infuriating. I can speak from personal experience. Like after I, I lost my job and I went through a couple months of like, and I, I know we've talked about this before. I went through a couple months of being so like, I felt like I was in a dead zone in like money, career, love. It was like, I was trying so hard to make something happen in each of those areas. And life was like, no, you're staying put. And it, what's terrifying is like I was saying before, is that you feel stuck because when you're in it, you're living through it every day and you have no idea when the next day is going to come when you, when something is going to change your shift. But now months later, I'm looking back, I'm like, ah, I understand why, why I, why I needed to be in those months for that long. And for anyone who's listening, no matter what part of the journey that you're on, it eventually makes sense. And that's what we need to hold on to. It always ends up making sense. If it doesn't make sense at the moment, it's a teachable, it's a teachable moment then. What, what did you come to recognize of the experience of being stuck from your perspective now? Patience, trust. I was not trusting whatsoever in, in things working out. I also, I'm such an impatient person um, to a fault sometimes. And I needed to kind of sit and just be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I also needed to answer the question for myself, who are you? without any external factors in your life, without a relationship, without a job. And I'm happy that I was put in that situation to answer that question because I don't know if I really, not that I didn't know who I was, but I think certain situations prompt that question. And I don't think I've ever been in this in a situation where I needed to answer that until now. That's really incredible. Those are not easy questions to face. Not easy questions. And again, like, like we're saying, like in the moment, it's infuriating. Literally, I'm like, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then looking back, I'm like, oh, I know what was going on. Makes sense now. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. You, that, that question, um, and this is slightly off topic, but yeah. uh, a lot of times when I'm, I'm bringing people through a, per a personality mapping session, I ask a, a series of different questions that I find are always my favorite and the most interesting and it has to do a little bit around where you the questions you ask yourself um, so just I think this is just cool for anybody that's listening if, if you are going to ask yourself these questions I always ask who are you who are you and when someone asks, asks you that question it it forces you to to respond in a way that you don't you don't really expect because not a lot of times people are are asking who are you but right after that, it goes, well, then who are you with your friends? And who are you with your family? And who are you at work? And who are you in public? And after doing it with hundreds and hundreds of people, the answers are always surprising. And I think the most magical part is watching someone's face recognize that, oh, wow, I do show up differently for people in different areas of my life. And it, it brings a lot of clarity in a very, very nuanced way to this situation. And so I, I love that you ask yourself the question, who am I outside of a relationship? Because I think it's, a, it's an important one. And I think that's, that's exactly the kind of question that's gonna bring you so much comfort in the long run when you're with somebody and you can bring that back together. I want to say so many things about what you just said. I'll say a few things, then we'll go back to, to the conversation. But no, this is a this is a great thing to talk about. You know, part of me is always curious, are we supposed to have are we supposed to have different versions of ourselves in the different areas of our life? Or are they supposed to be consistent throughout? Like are we supposed to be showing up as the same person with our friends, with our family and our job, so on and so forth? And then also when we know who we are, there's just, there's a difference between someone who walks into a room knowing exactly who they are versus someone who walks into a room being unsure of themselves. I always say this, like you can smell confidence 
or insecurities on someone. It's like, you can sniff that out so easily. And when someone walks into a room or shows up, knowing exactly what they bring to the table, you can feel it. And, and we lead with that when it's like, it's like we have, like, when we understand like our core values, that's what we lead with that, like our, our actions, everything that we do is an extension of the personal brand that we've created for ourselves. I love it. So let's tie it back in exactly with what we're talking about, which is who are we when we don't have certainty and who are we when we have certainty? Because that, that is something I don't think a lot of people think about myself included. What's nice is that when you answer those questions, you are able to provide your own sense of comfort when things around you are uncertain. Cause the, there's like a sense of homeostasis that you create for yourself inside. That's like, okay, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in my job or love or money, whatever. But what I do know to be true is what I bring to the table and how I show up and the person who I am. And if I can stay true to those things, that's comforting and that can stay stable. I love it. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. I saw your face light up and I was like, yay. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Well, the other thing, you know, that's a great uh, tangible tool to get through like those moments of uncertainty, but I'm curious to know like what else is in your toolbox of, of tips and tricks when, you know, we're going through this, how do we welcome the emotions that come during times of um, uncertainty and how do we become more open to receiving, you know, those lessons? Like how, and I know that you talk about this a lot, like also like, how do we get our needs met when we lose control of our future? Yeah. Whenever I hear emotions and I, I love the idea of understanding the way that emotions run through us, I always come back to this, this fact that we're like, we're constantly moving away from pain and we're constantly moving towards pleasure. And we feel this set of emotions that are foreign or that we recognize that we don't like, and we just try to push it away. We just don't want to feel it. And a lot of times I, I find that is the impetus for trying to control something so that you don't have to feel these feelings. And for me, giving yourself space to allow that feeling to take over you and to not control the feeling and to just sit in it and not even, not even try to understand it but just to recognize that you're experiencing it does so much for releasing that idea that you need to control it because the behavior that comes out of you pushing away your feeling is the idea or the metaphor of controlling every area. You're trying to control yourself. You're trying to control the way you feel. You can't control the way you feel. This thing that you're pushing away is now coming back inside of you three times more powerfully. And now you're like, I know I'm going to control everything outside of me. And that kind of, that kind of control out there, that's going to make me feel like I got this. And then you go out, you control it, you successfully do that. And then you've pushed away this feeling and you've just told your body that this is the best behavior for dealing with this in all situations. This is the generalization that I'm gonna make and this is the action that gets that feeling away. And for me, I'm, I'm screaming, no, <laughs> no, let it, let it in. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like people, you know, we're not, we're not taught this at school. We're not taught how to, how to move through these things. Um, you know, and, and we're getting there. We're getting to a place where we're, we are learning and, you know, people are spreading these messages and allowing these things through, but experiencing emotions is a part of life that you want to welcome. That, that emotion is what makes the idea of certainty feel good. If you don't know the pain of uncertainty that's been thrown upon you, then you don't know the true comfort of moving through it and becoming certain. You can't have one without the other. You just can't, and you can't recognize it without its opposite. And mm-hmm. so they're always connected. And the experience of that emotion will allow you space to really experience the other side of it. What is so interesting about what you're saying is that when we are in that phase, what's terrifying is that we don't know how, how long we're going to be in it for, which is why we have such like an innate reaction to want to 
go out and seek control externally because we don't there, there's just like this indefinite time that we're going to be in that state for but i want to mention something that helped me so much um because again like we're not taught to process like these emotions like when we're in it but someone gave me the advice that when when you're stuck some or when you feel like you're stuck somewhere or you feel like things are uncertain revert back to the way you were as a child go back and play because when we're young and when we're children and we play there's no limitations there's no expectations there's no pressures of how things should be how things are supposed to be like we have no concept of any certain outcomes that need to happen we're just in a state of pure creativity and as we get older we lose that because we are met with timelines societal pressures this idea of things needing to be a certain way and we forget how to play and so as an adult i think it's really important to revert back to your childlike self and indulge in your passions hang out with your friends laugh don't think about the pressures of things that need to be done or what you're supposed to be doing at that time in your life play and allow yourself to be creative because when you're creative it like unlocks so many doors and things start coming to you a little bit easier and you start to gain clarity in a way you never have before that's fantastic i i love it can you give me more sensory details about like how you've created that process when you're in the middle of experiencing the emotions so when I, like I've mentioned when I was going through the time in my life where I had no job and like, it was impossible to get a job. And like, I, like it got to a certain point where I just, I gave up because I recognized that I was hitting a wall. So I was like, all right, I have no choice, but to surrender. So it was terrifying for me because I very much felt like I was supposed to be trying to get a job. And so when someone told me to actually stop and play and take a break, it was very uncomfortable for me. But what I did was I hung out with my friends during the day instead of working, which was such a good, ugh, like uncomfortable feeling. I was like, I feel like I should be working right now, but I was like, no, okay. And I laughed and I let go. Um, I literally said, I probably said yes to every opportunity. Someone invited me, you know, obviously COVID friendly, but someone invited me to their house for the weekend. I was like, yep, I'm coming. Um, I took walks every day. I very much immersed myself in nature. I, I read books. I, I Netflix binged on so many TV shows that like, you know, at, at two o'clock in the afternoon on like a Monday and it felt so wrong, but it was what I needed because I just needed to forget about the things I was supposed to be doing at that time. And so when I let go and I broke the routine that I thought I should be having, going back to routines, yeah. it did so much for me because I was in a constant state of fulfillment and happiness. And I, I just shifted my focus. I made sure I was laughing every day. I made sure that I was doing something that was satisfying and fulfilling. And I forgot about what I was supposed to be doing. And then it clicked in me that, okay, I know what I want to do next. And I know how to continue moving forward, but I did need a pause for a little bit. Yeah. Wow. I, think I really like the way that you dealt with it. And I think that was you know, I, I think that provides a, a really good example of what it was like to break the container or, or the way that you had conditioned yourself in a sense of, you know, recognizing that the routine was part of your success and, mm. and then breaking through it without necessarily having to lose it forever. I think that's such a great frame of mind, just like go back to the child in you be free, be creative, recognize that when you, when you don't have the expectations and the time and the stress that you are allowing those emotions to, to run through and you can come back to what you know when you're through it. Mm -hmm. What is something that you tell, you know, the people who you work with when they don't know what they want to do next? I, I mean, the short, the short version is do something. And usually the way that I, I work with my clients and um, the people in the businesses I'm involved in is I'm constantly pushing for all these different experiences and the ways that they think about the world. And so a lot of my job is about expanding your thought in terms of the way you process things, like what you think 
your superpower is? What are your friends' superpowers? What are you recognizing in the people around you to then, you know, understand yourself better? And, you know, what would you do if, if you had no, no, no time limits? What would you do if you had unlimited resources? These are things that I'm asking when I meet people at the very beginning. And so for me, when I'm working with people, it's like, what was this, this idea that was so outside your limits because you did this exercise where you had unlimited resources and unlimited time, start taking steps in that direction and start doing things because everything else will come from the experience that you're having through action, not the experience you think you'll get through thinking about it more. It is so powerful what our minds can come up with when we release limiting beliefs. Yeah. And it goes back to the idea that we're able to be more creative. It's like there's an endless pos- there's endless possibilities. It's and it's so interesting that whatever idea ends up coming um, coming up when we release those barriers, like it's like why why didn't that come up in the first place? Yeah, I I have an experience with uh, with a limiting belief. My uh, my my best friend and my business partner Max, uh, he was helping. Uh, my other business partner and best friend, Sana, and I build out a social emotional learning program for kids in high school. And Sana and I were going into these programs um, in Brooklyn and we were meeting with kids once a month, every single month to help retrain the way that our bodies are when we're, we're, when we're interacting with, with, with our peers. You know, a lot of times we, we make mistakes and we feel shame. And, um, and, and then trying to retrain the body to then like be okay making mistakes to recognize that making mistakes is how you grow. And we were going through this program and, and every month and we were starting to like really make some progress. And I remember speaking with him and he was like, he's like, where do you want this to go? And I was like, I want this, I want social emotional learning to be in the curriculum of every single school in the US, make it the world. Like, let's, let's make this happen. It's already starting to happen. I wanna be you know, a part of that. And I remember him being like, okay, he's like, let's start from the biggest thing. Let's start putting these, putting this program and talking to people in Europe and across the country. Let's start making programs from there. We'll start making hubs and then we'll build, build it in and then we'll build it down into where you're at now. And I remember as he was speaking about it, because of the energetic experience I was having in the classrooms. I had these limits in my mind of like, do you have any idea how much work that it's going to take? You're speaking about these things like it's so simple. And I literally felt him just like stretch every fiber of where I thought was possible in this one conversation that he was using to really help expand my mind. And I remember at a certain point, he was, he kept going and he was breaking it all down really quick. And I felt at a certain point, I was just like, I give up, man. If, if this is what's going to take, and I don't mean give up, like I'm not going to do it. I give up on fighting that these are my limits. Just take me where I need to go. I, I will stretch as far as I need to stretch. And I let go of that limit. And I felt this huge sense of energy just kind of come over me. And I, I equate that with the feeling that other people feel inside of them when you have accepted your limits and someone outside of you has just shown you how much further you can go. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that one conversation completely changed the trajectory of how I think about that goal and the way I approach it now. Uh, and I, I think it, it takes us right back into like the power of what you're saying, limiting mm-hmm. beliefs. You were expanded. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I think that's like, an, that's another helpful tool as well. Like when we're not sure if we're ready to step into something of, of what's next, go and see someone doing it because that will take, that will show your unconscious that that's possible. Like you just need to be told that this can happen. There's something yeah. that's waiting for you. You just need to be told that that's doable. And that's really helpful too. And it's also inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great way of going about it. I, I don't think a lot of people do it, or I think a lot of times like we look at someone else and then we turn away from that idea. 
sometimes when we see the potential for something or where we see like the end point, it's, it can be daunting. It's like, oh, they probably went through so much to get there. Or like they probably had to put in like X amount of hours to just make that happen. I can't do that. Yeah. And there it goes. And that, that's why I think you're the, you're the way you look at it is so profound. If, if someone's doing it, it's possible. If it's possible, start taking actions in that direction. Start taking actions in that direction. Other things come. You start expanding. Life starts to show you the opportunities around. What was once very, very uncertain starts to clear up and become a little more certain. Yeah. That's work that I've picked up on from Lacey Phillips. She has a manifestation program called To Be Magnetic, and it's showing you your subconscious what's possible. It's really cool. That is awesome. Jason, thank you so much. I feel like this conversation was packed with like so much great material for anyone, like really any situation, whether they're they just lost their job. They just got out of a relationship. They're in their job, they're in a relationship and they don't know what to do next. Like, you know, we, we kind of touched upon it all and you have a really great way of making sense of these certain situations, which is why I was so happy to talk to you about it. Um, if there is any piece of advice that you could give to someone right now, what would you tell them? I'll say it again. Allow yourself to feel the feelings. Don't push them away. They're sending you a message and that's how you understand your other feelings. And then give yourself a, some time and then recognize that whatever that experience was, you can't change it. And once you recognize that, life is very open and it's waiting for you to step in it. Amazing. Jason, if anyone wants to work with you or get in touch with you, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me at jasongorski.com on Instagram right now. You can find me at Jason Matcha. I have a matcha startup with all of my best friends in the world. Uh, it is absolutely incredible. And so if you want to support there, it's called at Nekohama, nekohama.co. And uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for your words of wisdom. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 